Good evening. Welcome to Enlightenment Radio. Home of the ultimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit. And we have the keys to the mystery. The mystery that was kept hid and secret in God before the foundation of the world and revealed unto the Apostle Paul. We're not gospel thinkers. We're not sinful thinkers. We're not guilt thinkers. We are believers. We're conquerors. We're more than super conquerors through Christ who delivered us. This is Enlightenment Radio. Welcome to our tea party. Those who are new to the tea party, we go over the scriptures mostly from the book Christ in a Mystery, the mystical approach to conscious enlightenment out of the scriptures, a mystical approach. That's mystical means you experience God. You don't just think about in wishful thinking. We experience God. That's our mission. Our mission is to lead people under the way of God more perfectly and to make all mankind see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Our website is themysticalvoyage.com where you can read our free living book, Christ in a Mystery. You can listen to our sound music 24-7, and woohoo! we finally got both apps going, didn't we, Ravi? We are now on Android, and we are now on Apple, so there's no reason not to listen. And I've noticed our average listenership has gone up since we've gone to Google. It shot up to Saturdays when it shot up. So we are now on Spotify. We're going to grow tremendously when Spotify discovers us because people are hungry for the truth. They don't care about those podcasts over and over and over, going over the news, going over the lies, going over the darkness of the world, going over the Pope, going over the Baptists and the Presbyterians. We're speaking the truth of God's Word in living history living the mystery now before we get started turn your bibles to mark chapter 16. this is your host mystic guide and what i'm going to be going over with you tonight is something uh, that's in chapter 6 the rise and expansion of the mystery is the title of the uh Chapter 6 is Communion in the Spirit, but the subtitle is The Rise and Expansion of the Mystery. So I changed the title tonight, really. In reality, it's The Rise and Expansion of the First Century, or the Mystery Church in the First Century. Because before the mystery, there was no church. The mystery is the church, the body of Christ, the spiritual body that it would be that we could be all made one in body and spirit. Now, turn to Mark 16, 17. We're going to start from there. That's our key verse. But I have a little 
recording I want to play for you for the man who taught me the mystery, the great Victor Paul Weirwill. He is the man who revived and taught and lived the mystery for me 45 years ago and for several of us and who made it live. This is just a short excerpt from his teaching. And I know it may sound a little echoey because I had to record it off the computer, but bear with me. I left a link to the teaching in the chat room. You can listen to it in your spare time. It's a wonderful teaching. But basically his point is we were living in darkness. Even though we had churches, even though we had Bibles, even though we had theology schools, schools of doctrine, we were still living in darkness because they just didn't teach us the truth. Well, that's not what we do at Enlightenment Radio. So <clears throat> listen for a moment to the great Dr. Victor Paul Weirwell, whose goal was to relive the mystery, and then I will get into our teaching of the 15 different examples in the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost where believers believed. Most scholars can only find four areas where believers believed. I found 15. So here, bear with me just a moment. Listen to this great opening. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Tonight I'd like to open the word with you. And if I were to give this a topic or a title of what I have in my heart to share with you tonight, I would call it the red thread. You'll find him everywhere in the word. It has been sin consciousness plus condemnation that has robbed Christians in the past of their believing. It has robbed Christians in the past of their sense of worthiness before God. It has robbed Christians in the past of the joy of their sonship. We as believers just had not been taught and consequently and subsequently we did not know the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We did not know that we were more than conquerors through him who loved us and who gave himself for us. We did not know that we could do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We did not know that we were complete in Christ. We did not know that we were seated in the heavenlies now. People, we just did not know. For no one taught us. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 13 we read, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, past tense. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us. The word translated in the Sanskrit is the word given us citizenship. 
He hath given us citizenship in the kingdom. The text reads in his kingdom, in God's kingdom, by the work of his dear son, Jesus Christ. That's true. By the work of his dear son, Jesus Christ, we are seated in the kingdom. That teaching goes on to be one of the greatest teachings I've ever heard. I suggest you listen to it in your spare time. I put a link to it in the uh, chat room. But people, we, we just didn't know because we just weren't taught. It's not that God did not want us to know. It's the devil didn't want us to know because the more power he has, the less power we have. The more we know of the truth, the more power we have. Power for abundant living. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus Christ said, I am come that they might have life and that they might live it more abundantly. If you have Christ, then you're going to live life more abundantly. Don't be defeated. Don't look down. Keep your head held high because Christ has made you more than a conqueror. Now, in Mark 16, I've wrapped this verse up quite a bit in my book because it's a key verse to the entire outreach of God's Word. In Mark 16, 17, I wrap it all, I call it Mark 16, 17, it's really 15 through 19, 20, but I wrap it all up when I say Mark 16, 17. He said to them, go into all the world and preach or expound the gospel to every creature. Now we know since the day of Pentecost and since the revelation given to Paul that our gospel is the mystery. He that believeth and is baptized, and that's not water, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Born again. But he that believeth not shall be judged, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall heal the sick. That's basically what we're going over right now. These are the signs that followed or confirmed the word. Confirmed the word that they were believers. So, following the day of Pentecost, we're going to go over, that would be the first experience where they were saved, where they were born again. That's number one. And who was it we went over last week? It was the 12 apostles in the temple. Remember? It wasn't about 120 people in an upper room. I got to coordinate my glasses with the distance of my reading here. Following the day of Pentecost, I am on page 100 according to my iPad. Now, you may be on a different page if you want to follow along in the book, or you may just want to listen. Following the day of Pentecost, 
where the 12 apostles received the original outpouring and Peter's leading about 3,000 souls to be added to the church, we will be chronologically follow the instances of believing, resulting in the signs of Mark 16, 17, the growth Jesus promised in Acts 1, and the keys to the kingdom given in Acts 2.38. So now we know <clears throat> on that day after Peter spoke, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. So if they were added to the church that day, they're not going to wait 5, 10, 20 years to get better and better and become better morally and better behavior. No, they were added that day. God gave them the righteousness of Jesus Christ that day. They were saved that day. It's not a process. It's a happening. It's an event. Too many people are stuck on this legalism and the law, and you must obey this and do that and quit sinning. Jesus Christ did all that for you. The next event is the lame man healed at the temple gate called Beautiful by Peter and John, beginning in Acts 3. Now, because of special circumstances, I'd like to reveal the deeper hidden revelation in this miracle at a later place and chapter. Even though that's next in chronological order, I want to save it for a special reason. And you'll see why later. Remember, he said, you shall go to the Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world. So we're still in Jerusalem. So let's proceed to Acts 4, verse 4. Howbeit many of them who heard the word believed, and the number of men was about what? 5,000. Many of them which heard the word, what? They believed. How do we know they believed? Again, I ask, how do we know? They spoke in tongues, lambano. They manifested the same way the apostles knew that they believed, as promised in Acts 2.38 and Mark 16.17. The believing of the word equals receiving the signs in manifestation as confirmation of the word believed. It's that simple. There's another example. So now let's go to the next one. In Jerusalem, Acts 5, 12 through 16. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest did no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them, and believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So believers were added instantly, both men and women. I don't know if there were women before this. I just assume there were. However, here it specifically states women. If two of the signs are present, then they obviously was the third was speaking in tongues. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at the least of the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. 
There came also a multitude out of the cities around about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them who were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, everyone. That was at the hands of the apostles and at Jerusalem. The following confirms Jesus' foretelling the expansion into Samaria and the miracles done by the disciples. In Acts 6, 2-7, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of spirit and wisdom, who you may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and saying pleased, and the, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Primerus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. A proselyte was a converted Gentile, whom they set before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid hands on them, and the word of God increased. The word of God increased. It grew in number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. At first, remember, they were added, now they're multiplied. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Even the priests were converted. <clears throat> the faith was a term, or the faith, was a term for those close-knit family initiated into the mystery. When I say we are of the faith, we're not just the faith of Christ. We are the faith, the, the initiated ones. We've been initiated and instructed in the mystery. That's the faith. Now, not only was the emphasis on adding to the growth, but it increased rapidly and multiplied. Now comes this following verse that blows all this current myth today that only the apostles perform the miracles. I quote, And Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen was merely a disciple. These seven were chosen and rose up to be mighty men of God because they were energized by the gift of Holy Spirit in them with signs and miracles following. This disproves the, disproves the naysayers that falsely teach the miracles were only done by the apostles. These disciples were, number one, born again, so they spoke in tongues full of Holy Spirit. Number two, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doesn't say the Gospels, it says the Apostles' Doctrine. Number three, continued daily with one accord, gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor. The word, number four, the word church in Acts was a movement, not a religion. Just as we are today, we are a movement, a spiritual movement of God in Christ. Today, the church is a religion.
The Christian church is in reality the Trinitarian church religion. Look under their statement of faith. All Trinitarian are worded as such. Following the progression geographically and chronologically, we begin in Acts 7, where Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people of Jerusalem. The religious leaders disputed with him, but could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Remember, that's why they chose him, full of wisdom and spirit. So they did what they do today with people who display truth and power. They lie, get false witnesses, and call them heretical or cults, then attack the messenger. Or the extreme punishment, the Sanhedrin stoned him to death. The death of Stephen was very costly to the Lord. As it was spoken, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Jesus originally sat down when it was finished earlier, but he is seen standing. Symbolic of the immensity of Stephen's loss to God. You see, Stephen stood up to the Sanhedrin. He called them out on their, their unbelief, their ignorance, and their lies, and their legalism. And if you read chapter 7 of Acts, you can read how they stoned Stephen to death. That is why Psalm says, Costly in the sight of God is the death of one of his saints. Not precious, as King James uses Death is not precious because you don't go to heaven when you die. It is costly because you are dead in the grave. So now the persecution moves them into the outer regions. Now concerning Philip and Samaria, I'm going to list in order of Philip's travels in geographical order and in chronological order. Luke listed the events of Philip in order of importance or significance, which is understandable. However, it is confusing when viewed as Philip's spiritual progression, which God, as it appears, he went from a powerful demonstration of the Spirit in Samaria, resulting in multitudes believing, to one lone Gentile resulting only in water baptism. In other words, it doesn't make sense for Philip to go to one place and perform all these miracles and end up with one lone Gentile water baptizing him. So I'm going to explain to you and show you, it's also a map in my book, how this was not geographically in order. It will help our understanding of this apparent digression if we start with his first opportunity given by God to test the waters, pun intended, since he was appointed with six others by the apostles at Jerusalem. Let's examine one other ingredient for teaching purpose before Philip's ministry in Acts 1 when Jesus told him, This shall be your witness of me first in Jerusalem. In my book, you can see a map. Philip's journeys. 
In the first act, Philip goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, preaches Jesus, and water baptizes the eunuch. That makes sense because he's already, you can't go down from Jerusalem unless you're above. Philip has a mystical experience and is carried away to Azotus and cities away from Caesarea. And in the third act, Acts 5, Philip goes down to Samaria, preaches Christ, and baptizes in the name of Jesus Christ when they believed. So, in chronologically, orderly speaking, that has to be the way it happened. This shall be your witness of me first in Jerusalem, Jesus said, then in all Judea and all Samaria and all that are under the uttermost parts of the earth. After Jerusalem came Judea. According to Acts 8.5, it says Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ unto them. This cannot be chronological or geographical order because Samaria is above Jerusalem and because they have not gone into Judea witnessing yet. The event spoken of in verse 26 is the more logical and the next geographical and chronological step, even though it is to a Gentile. It is not a Gentile country. Acts 8:26. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. For Philip starting in Jerusalem, this would make sense. Gaza is in Judea. The Philip's journeys map on the previous page illustrates my point. So Judea. After water baptizing the eunuch, Philip is carried away in a mystical experience found preaching in Azotus and in all the cities along the way to Caesarea, which is upward and getting closer to Samaria. Acts 8, 39 and 40. He is now more experienced as God's preparing him to open the door for the next promised wave, Samaria. Here he will have to be more spiritually polished, not only to take on the Samaritans, but the devil's own Simon the sorcerer. In Samaria, Acts 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Parentheses, he went down because he was in Caesarea where he was preaching, not Jerusalem and preached, what? Christ unto them. You see, before he only knew the water baptism to the Gentile. Now he's preaching Christ unto them. Notice here he preached Christ unto them, whereas the eunuch who was reading from the prophet Isaiah regarding the suffering, humiliation, and his life was taken. This is concerning Jesus only. The humiliated one in the flesh. Hence, the immature water baptism took place, plus the Ethiopian eunuch was a Gentile. This is where most people are stuck, at the foot of the cross in water. It's an incomplete one. Whereas he preached Christ in all his fullness and glory unto the Samaritans. You see the difference? 
trying to emphasize getting away from water, getting away from the cross, but get to the resurrection and get to the fullness of the new birth and the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip taught, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Was he an apostle? No. Mark 16, 17 is alive here with two of three signs prevailing, casting out spirits and healing. Also note that just as the word says about Stephen, it says the miracles that he did. We know that the power comes from God, but it is not egotistical or unorthodox to say the miracles that he did. Acts 8, 7, and there was great joy in that city. Acts 8, 12, and when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. This means they were born again, both men and women. It does not say water like it did with the Ethiopian. If it meant water, it would indicate or say water. I'm telling you, every time you see the word baptized in the book of Acts, there's no, without the word water, then don't add water. Now, Philip has matured and gone beyond the humility and humanitarian of Jesus only. And as spoken in Isaiah to the Ethiopian, even though the Ethiopian came to believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God, Samaria is chronologically and geographically later. Now we know why Philip water baptized the eunuch, because that's as far as he went at the time, and he was witnessing to a Gentile, and that's what the eunuch requested. Later in Samaria, he preached Jesus Christ, and they believed and were baptized, born again in the name of Jesus Christ, not water. However, Peter and John had to come down because it was unprecedented. Listen to me now. It was unprecedented for them to have believed, been born again, and not spoken in tongues. This was probably due to the fact that it was a town bewitched by a sorcerer, and it was in the region of Samaria. Let's read more detail. Then Simon himself believed also, Simon the sorcerer. And when he was baptized, born again, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Again, no water. It's spiritual. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they went in unto them, Peter and John. Here's the major key to understanding Acts 8 and Samaritans' entrance into the kingdom. They received, here's the key, they received decomai, the word. Remember, decomai is like receiving a glass to the full brim, but not overflowing. So they had received the new birth but they had not 
manifested, lambanot. They received the spirit to capacity, which means they were saved. But because of the manifestation of speaking in tongues had not happened, along with the other two signs, the big boys had to come down to look into this matter. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive. Now, what's the word receive here? Lambano. You see, this is where even the evangelists get mixed up. They don't understand the difference between Dekomai and Lombano. You get the difference when you understand the difference. That's why they say, have you been baptized in the Spirit? Well, you can be baptized in the Spirit and still not Lombano because you can be Dekomite. You can receive to capacity, but not Lombano. This receive accurately translated from Lombano. You see how accurate the word is? God uses words specifically. He uses words <clears throat> that he means what he says and says what he means. And this is how we can decipher the scriptures. This is how we can decode the scriptures. I'm sitting here looking at these two verses, and I understand what it means. I understand how they could receive the Word of God, but why John and Peter came down so that they might receive Holy Spirit, because they're two different words. I can understand that. Now, my, that's called enlightenment. Now my understanding is enlightened. Ah, they received Dekomide, but they had not received Lombano. That's why John and Peter came down. This is why so many theologians and teachers don't understand when they use the term baptized in the Holy Spirit. You get this. You study this, and your eyes when, once this hits you, you're going to understand and be enlightened, and you'll have an epiphany. It's this misunderstanding right here in this very chapter about Samaria is where all the misunderstanding about receiving the Holy Spirit comes from in the Holy Spirit field. It's where all of this misunderstanding comes from. It's because of the two different words in the Greek. They prayed that they would receive into manifestation that which they had already received, decamide. You get it? So how the word fits when understood in the light of those two words, that's why the charismatics can't explain it. They cannot explain it. My parentheses, this is also why they errantly call speaking in tongues the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's just wrong. And as long as I keep teaching that, nine, you know more right now than 99.99% .99 of the church around the world just by knowing those two differences in those words and understanding this. This is why this is enlightenment. <laughs> this is not just theology. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received, no article the, no caps, Holy Spirit. 
What word do you think that word is? It's lumbano. They lumbano. They received into manifestation the Holy Spirit, which they already had. You see, they already had the Spirit. You may be sitting there. You have the Holy Spirit in you, but you have not yet lumbanoed. That's okay. You will. The words received is lumbano. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Spirit was given, he offered them money. Well, what did Simon see? Peter said of speaking in tongues in Acts 2, that which you now see and hear. Remember? Simon saw the speaking in tongues and lumbanoing. The reason the apostles laid hands on them was to discern the cause. What a wonderful, precise explanation of what happened in Samaria. Acts 8 has always remained a puzzle to the church. But lumbano is a major facet of the mystery. That's why I'm calling this the rise and expansion of the church of the mystery. You see, part of this speak in tongues, cast out spirits, perform miracles is part of the mystery in manifestation. Jesus promised it. So as far as Simon wanting this power, that whomsoever he laid hands on with them bond of the Spirit, Peter rebuked him because the gift, not referring to the speaking in tongues, but because of the gift ministry of an apostle. That's what, that's what Simon wanted. Could not be purchased. Not that tongues was the gift Peter was referring to. It's a manifestation of the gift of Holy Spirit. After this great experience with Peter and John, I'm sure Philip had fully matured and all three signs were part of his mystery. We'll continue in a minute. The spice expands consciousness. expands consciousness the music you are listening to is coming from enlightenment radio sound waves that lift your consciousness enhance your mood and transcends time and space visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com where you'll be guided each level of transformation to become an enlightened one Boy, you get that, and you're going to get a lot. Now we can truly say that there is no water baptism in the book of Acts performed by the apostles. None. You can't find it anywhere. And I, I'll debate anyone. There's no water baptism in the book of Acts performed by any apostles. Nor was it taught, nor was it preached outside of one instance with the eunuch at Gaza. And that was because he requested it 
And that was not an apostle. That was a disciple. Apollos at Ephesus was one other instance, yet he too was corrected. And Paul led the Ephesians into speaking in tongues, as we shall see later. Water baptism is never carried out by an apostle. The next instance in the manifestation of Holy Spirit was Paul's conversion and his baptism of Holy Spirit with Ananias. Boy, what a story. You talk about a mystical experience. (laughs) Paul got his world rocked. Remember Stephen who got stoned by the Sanhedrin? He was standing by in a dark corner watching it happen, approving of Stephen's death. His name was Saul. What a dark character. Rounded up Christians, put them in prison. Some of them were killed. Yet Jesus Christ chose him. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Well, I'm out of place. The next instance of the manifestation of Holy Spirit was Paul's conversion and his baptism of the Holy Spirit with Ananias. The reason I'm going to skip that is because we already covered that. And Paul was converted and he spoke in tongues. We already covered that in the first chapter. Acts 9 through 17. The word fill, and by the way, the word filled in Acts 19, 17 is Plato filled to overflowing. So now we're going to go to the next instance in which it was completely surprise to the Jews because the Gentiles were like dogs. They were not accepted. The next record is this momentous milestone of the Gentiles receiving the gift of Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, Acts 10. I start out. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel coming in unto him, saying unto him, Cornelius, And when he looked upon him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God. Here we have a Gentile, and he's praying to God. He wasn't chosen. He wasn't of Jewish persuasion. Probably wasn't even allowed to attend the temple. Yet there were certain Jews 
at certain times who were allowed to become proselytes. And I imagine Cornelius by this time, yes. I, I'm just conjecturing, had already been baptized, had already been a proselyte of the Jews. This was no ordinary Gentile, as you can see. He and his household, familiar with God of Israel from being a centurion, was visited by an angel and told to send for Peter. He immediately did as the angel told him and sent two servants and a devout soldier. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. This is a dream state. It's not like he was taken over or overpowered. He just fell into a dream state. The Greek word for trance is ecstasis, which is translated astonished or an amazement elsewhere. It does not mean in a state of unconscious or semi-conscious, as implies in the English. Although truly a mystical experience, Peter was very much in full awareness during the vision and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending upon him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down on the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice... The, the voice, I have an audience tonight. The voice, yes. the prayers and I alms are come up for a memorial. So he immediately did as the angel told him and sent two servants and a devout soldier. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew near unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry. He would have eaten, but while he laid ready, he fell into a trance. We've gone over that. And he saw heaven open and all of these animals appeared to him and they said the voice spoke unto him again a second time said what God hath cleansed that call not common this was done three times and the vessel was received up again into heaven now while Peter content contemplated in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean behold the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Right when he was having this dream, there they did. They stood at the foot of his gate. Didn't take God very long. Here's the perfect timing again. Peter is about to know full well what the vision pertained to. 
going to witness to the Gentiles that were considered unclean and not associate with as a Jew. After lodging there, they went to the house of Cornelius with certain brethren accompanying Peter as a witness. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And he talked with him, and he went in and found many that were come together. They were all gathered around, wanting to hear what God had to say and do. And he said unto them, You know how unlawful a thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without delay, as soon as I was sent afore. I ask therefore, what intent have you sent for me? Peter is just perplexed as Cornelius. <laughs> Yet they both know the way of God and are following his command. Immediately therefore I sent for thee, and now hast well done, thou art come. This next sentence is key to understanding what is about to happen. Quote, Now therefore are we all present before God to hear all things that have been commanded thee of God. Okay? So now, all things that have been commanded thee of God. When you ask Peter for all that God has commanded, you must be prepared for a long sermon in every detail. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation that fears or reverences him and works for righteousness is accepted with him. Try to explain that to some people. That in every nation he that fears or reverences him works righteousness is accepted of him. Boy, you'll get some people riled up over that. Oh, no, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. Well, there it says some people are accepted of him. I, uh, I'll skip that matter for now. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea. Oh, wait, before that. Of a truth I perceive that no respecter. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching Peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. It's quite possible that Cornelius and his household were already baptized by John. Because it says, if you look in my book, all of Israel, including the Gentiles, were baptized. All of Israel. That's why there's no need for water baptism in the book of Acts, because everybody had already been water baptized. But logic doesn't come to most churches. <laughs> they don't read the word. Peter continues, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power, 
who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. With the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of all these things which he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is that it is he who was ordained of God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. Just as Peter had basically summarized the gospel of Christ and the keys to the kingdom, something profoundly wonderful transpires. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word. No one was missed. They heard the word to the point of what? Believing. You can hear the word but not believe it. Nothing's going to happen. When you believe it, something is going to happen. Then those six who accompanied Peter heard for the first time Gentiles manifesting the new birth. And they of the circumcision who believed were faithful, were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of Holy Spirit. Here it can be the gift of Holy Spirit or gift from the Holy Spirit of God. Both have the same meaning. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Wow. Peter didn't even get to finish his sermon. <laughs> they were manifesting. Just outpoured the Spirit. This was unprecedented. For the Gentiles had now entered the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus Christ had promised unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Did he not promise that? Why do we not believe the promises of Jesus Christ and God? Why do we continue to not believe? Let's just, let's just believe. They all spoke in tongues and magnified God. Now comes the apparent confusion that has entered traditional teaching. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Which have received Holy Spirit as we have. Here in Peter's enthusiasm, he is trying to cover all bases. For remember, Peter has started and gone back to the beginning of John's baptism. Remember that Cornelius wanted to hear everything that God commanded. Well, from the beginning, God commanded water baptism. So, so now Peter's going, did I give him everything that was commanded? And he began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, and Cornelius had requested all that God commanded thee. Also, converted Gentiles were water baptized. However, Peter never got to water as it was not necessary. This is clarified in the next chapter 
when Peter was confronted by the apostles at Jerusalem. Now let me go there in Acts 11. After detailing every step, he concludes, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with Holy Spirit. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, Holy Spirit, as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Acts eleven, fifteen through 17 What a wonderful truth! They held their peace that all their lives were subject to resenting and being repelled by the Gentiles. Now to accept them in the kingdom of God with them. This was truly a monumental paradigm shift. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord that water was no longer applicable to the greater baptism. So Peter completed his Acts 2.38 and Mark 16 formula, even though they had already lumbanoed, and he commanded them to be baptized. In the name of the Lord, they prayed they him to tarry certain days. This is another great example of speaking in tongues accompanying salvation. The Spirit is the baptism. Water was never commanded by any of the apostles. We are not going to be able to get through this entire section tonight. However, it is expedient for you to continue reading the book as I will continue this second portion of this next week. I'm sure we'll get through it. Tonight, I want to God bless the tea party. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing the word, believing the word, and for you trusting in this teaching. You're not going to hear this enlightenment anywhere else. I'm not here saying, I have the truth. I'm the only one with the truth. I merely present it. I give it. I hold it forth. You make up your mind. Does it fit? Does it fit the word of God? Only you can know. It is the love of God and the renewed mind and manifestation that we are seeking. And it's the church of the mystery. We are a movement. We are not a church. We are not a building. We are a movement. And so many people have attracted to this teaching and to this wonderful Christ in a mystery. I'm so blessed and so honored to be a part of your family. God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Enlightenment Radio. Continue to check your calendars for events. We'll see you next Saturday music and uh, next Sunday at the Tea Party. God bless you. This is Misty Guide signing out.